You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Round one, fight! Can't we do our own secret shows? All our shows are secret shows. And we have the tools, we have talent! You have to use so many cuss words. Let's go! Ooh, yeah! This is the Low Res High Dev Podcast <laughs> on the Next Wave Radio Network, uh, and where we come to talk about just about anything. And what you may or may not have missed at this point is probably a good 30 minutes of Indiana Jones slash Harrison Ford conversation that I'm hoping we could put together as like a little bonus episode to yep. wet your beak for our mm-hmm. eventual Indiana Jones episode uh, when the new, uh, I almost said Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, no. my God. Bite your tongue. (laughs) When the Dial of Destiny uh, finally Mm -hmm. hits theaters. This week, we're going to be talking about toys. I'm joined by Joel Bernson, as always. Hello, Joel. Hello, hello. And this week's special guest, Jason Geyer, has joined us uh, to talk about toys. And and Joel tells me he's somewhat of an expert. Uh, What's your (laughs) social media handle again? It's like Toy Owl or something? Toy Owl. Toy Otter. Toy Otter. (laughs) Yes, you can find me at Instagram.com slash Toy Otter. Nice. There we go. And I feel like anybody who's got toy in their in their web handle has got something. Unless you like driving Toyotas, then I'm be. completely off. No, but, and and you know, to be honest, I'm not even terribly partial to otters. But uh, <laughs> it was just in the early days of the internet, I was just looking for something catchy that hadn't been taken as a domain at the time, and mm-hmm. and just stumbled on it, and it sounded good. You say that, but you do like cute furry animals. I saw you post something recently. That's a fetish, but yes, <laughs> I do. Ewoks with big boobs. They are nice and cute. I am more partial to Hyraxes. I will say that. Oh, yeah. I do like the Hyrax. They're very interesting. Closest real living relative to the elephant and the manatee. Oh, I know those. Uh, okay. But they're small and they're furry and they look like rabbits. Oh, um, no. But but ever since, yes, uh, I get sent every kind of otter meme and have been given <laughs> A million plush otters over the years because people think I have an affinity for otters, especially. But it's just a name. Good alliteration. But he has nothing of that sort behind him in this. Well, he does have a porg on the on the shelf behind him. There, I do have a porg. I, I, that's my one uh, concession to the travesty of the last Jedi. But, <laughs> oh, come on! Uh, Stop now. Yes, I do enjoy the porgs. We're gonna get along just fine, I think. <laughs> I've, I've made a great mistake. Um, so. To Today, we're going to talk about toys, but before we get into it, uh, I, you know, every episode we talk about what our obsession, our current obsession, when we do this weekly, we talk about our obsession of the week. So, Joel, why don't you go ahead and kick off uh, what, what have you been obsessed with? Sure. Um, well, it was going to be Indiana Jones, but uh, we already kind of exhausted that talk. Um, no, no, but I'm glad because I do have a backup. Uh, I was trying to decide between that uh, and Batman because, um, Joe, ever since our our uh, episode last week where we talked about uh, Saturday morning and weekday uh, cartoons from the 80s and 90s, listen to that episode if uh, uh-huh. you're at all interested in that. Uh, and I kind of figured this would be a bit of a, a companion episode. Um but ever since then, you know, uh, one of the cartoons we talked about was was Batman, the animated series. Um, and so when I was doing research for that episode, you know, I was watching some clips and being reminded of that. Uh, and then I read something. I've just been inundated with Batman uh, through social media. Saw an article about uh, one of those listicles. You know, I love the listicles, the top uh, ranking, uh-huh. the, uh, the Batman suits in all the films from like the last 20 years or so, which uh, I didn't realize how bad some of those were. Uh, really makes you appreciate where we are yeah. now. Which one's your favorite? Um, I kind of dug one of the Ben Affleck 
Batman outfits. I can't remember which one it was. Maybe from I'm I'm, I'm with you. He wears I, one from some of the footage from the uh, the new Flash movie. Uh, he's got one that looks like it's kind of um, it's the old Adam West back to the blue and gray. Yeah, yeah, the Adam is like the blue mm-hmm. and grayish. And man, I always love that color palette for Batman. And maybe it's being an '80s kid, uh, but I always dug that color palette. And they made it look they made it look really good. Yeah, that ranked high. I thought uh, a little more uh, realistic, a little more tactical gear. I think <laughs> than. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Adam West was was wearing, but uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, had that list, and then uh, just today with the uh, the new Nintendo Direct. Not sure if you watched that or not, but uh, one of the announcements no. they had there were uh, the Arkham Asylum uh, games. That trilogy is all being ported to Nintendo Switch coming out soon. So uh, opening that up to a whole new audience who haven't played them. I've got them on oh, Xbox. Love that first one. Um, I haven't played the others, but. Uh, all look amazing and all. They're all pretty strong. No, they're yeah. they're all pretty strong games. I mean, there was a I can't remember who the company was. There was another company that did one called Arkham Origins. So it was kind of the same basic gameplay, but like you can always tell when like another company kind of comes of in and does tries to do the same thing that Rocksteady's done, and it's not. It's just not quite the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what Origins is like. But if you're ever jonesing to get a little bit more. Uh, kind of like what we were talking about, um, Phoenix Rising. Like mm. if you were jonesing for more Zelda before Tears of the Kingdom came out, Phoenix Rising is a, a, a suitable uh, substitute, but it doesn't. It really can't replace the real thing. Yeah. But but yeah, that's been my obsession this week, Batman, and especially uh, with Michael Keaton coming back. I know you guys have already seen the movie. I don't care what the reviews say. I uh, decided long ago I wanted to see this because um, uh, yeah, any opportunity to see Michael Keaton back in that cowl, I'm there. Well, I. It, and I don't think it's I don't think it's spoiling anything to divulge that like it is clearly one of the bright points of the film. All right, of course, Most definitely. How could yeah. it not be good. So, how about you, Jason? You have something that you're yeah. you're obsessed with recently? Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Uh, uh obsessed, frustrated. Um, is is again double as a plug. <laughs> they go hand in hand. So, uh, Joel knows. Uh, I work with Joel in the in the day job, and then, uh, before. I went into the advertising industry. I worked in the toy industry for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I co-founded uh, two of the biggest toy websites, one of the first ones online way back in the day. So I've been around the industry for quite some time, but then about 17 years ago, I went back in the ad agency world uh, because the toy industry is is just frustrating and will break your heart. Um, <laughs> so I left. Oh, no. <laughs> this will be fun. Yeah. <laughs> the end. Um, <laughs> like by the end of this podcast, he's gonna be crying, <laughs> downing like another another bottle of whiskey. <laughs> but through through uh, various uh, reasons, mainly during the pandemic, uh, I finally broke down and taught myself how to uh, digitally sculpt uh, and just started doing it. If you go to my Instagram, you can see all these uh, fake toys. I started yep. making fake toys of the mm-hmm. '80s that never existed, uh, trying to make them look as good as possible. These fake toys. Wow. And I still have a lot of friends in the industry and, and guys that do a lot of these little indie toy lines. And weirdly, one thing led to another. And so this past year, I actually, uh, we didn't do a Kickstarter, but but we did a partnership with Big Bad Toy Store where if we got a certain number of pre-orders, they would fund the line. And we did. Uh-huh. We crossed the line on our first uh, thing and we got a whole bunch of indie comic licenses. And so what we're doing is a line of action figures that are in the style of Kenner superpowers from the eighties. So they're completely cat compatible. <laughs> oh. Amazingly, 
I was doing a, a very tiny bit of consulting with McFarland Toys on their Superpowers relaunch, which we had already oh, started got several of them. when they, they came back. Yeah. And then my friends at Boss Fight Toys decided to launch Superpowers and, and got a gut check for me on that for the Phantom and Flash yeah. Gordon and stuff. And none of them knew I was already working on a Superpower style <laughs> line that was about to launch. So it's just amazing timing, but we all have these renaissance of superpowers coming out so we've got there's a it's a test shot there's the tick the tick oh my god uh, so that looks great. Got the tick this is now this is amazing because i i saw these renders that you showed me ahead of time jason that you, you did, haven't but... seen yeah these so this is cassie hack from hack slash which is a comic hack that's slash. that's done pretty well tim seal really great guy for the listener at home uh jason is holding these up for his webcam so that uh, we can see the brilliance it's yes really awesome. uh and of course the the crown jewel of the assortment the rocketeer, the rocketeer. Got the rocketeer oh, first God. time and five inch scale looks very much like a kenner wow. figure yeah yeah it oh, does that's and that's awesome but it's not just the rocketeer it's the comic rocketeer so it's got his comic jetpack uh, not the oh, one that wow. was redesigned by joe johnson those guys for the movie with the double mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. they call rockets great movie mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's great so uh this is a test shot so that's why it's different plastic they just use the plastic on hand so whoops mm -hmm. so i've been working on these nights and weekends for a year every night i'm dealing with the factory in china now again they send me start sending communications at like 11 12 at night right because it's their morning <laughs> yeah. that's fun and then i stay up doing stuff but we have like a black and white set coming out like a news we're calling it the newsreel set Ooh, oh, i like man. that that's awesome so yeah that's this really these cool. these came out really nice but the really cool thing so dave stevens created the rocketeer and he died sadly rest in peace uh mm -hmm. about 10 years ago but his sister runs the estate wonderful wonderful person to work with she's been fantastic yeah but what she let us do was she let us create a bunch of our own characters for the Rocketeer universe, kind of like Kenner would used to put in their own guys. So we'll see if you can see the, the awesome. helmet. This is the Black Phantom, yeah. and you see the helmet looks <laughs> oh. more evil and yeah, like it's more like yeah. hand done. It's really rough. That's awesome. I'll put a little dent in there as a nod to Boba Fett. <laughs> uh -huh. We've got. Dude, Joel, you're gonna have to get some shots of this so that way we can, yeah, we can yeah, post this. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll put these on the uh, on the Facebook page. Got the evil evil trooper. That's the like the oh, commandant. Does he have an eye patch? Um, yeah, like eye? a monocle. It looks black. Like. Yes, he's got a he's got a monocle. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of looks like a yeah futuristic Nazi. Um, and I don't know why have a oh here's a trooper. Dude, that is sick. Yes, so we have a whole bunch of these stormtrooper kind of characters that if you remember in the movie i do like when they showed the hitler ones all flying so those, these are roughly they don't look the same but they're roughly based on that mm -hmm. concept but yeah those helmets that's great But we've got like a desert trooper uh fire trooper yeah. you know so we have a, a winter trooper it's all in white and blue yeah yeah and so all the oh, jetpacks are different colors we have silver pet jetpacks and all that so so will these all be available for sale then is that the ultimate goal ish ish well Maybe. they were available for sale because we had to do everything pre-order to get the money yeah. to produce them so they were but now so you're shit out of luck if you wanted to buy them now right yes so all the rocketeer figures have sold out <laughs> <laughs> what here's here's a pilot we called spy captain look at that spy, spy uh. captain because <laughs> there was a well there's a 1930s comic character called character called spy smasher 
Uh It was basically like this. And Sky Captain was kind of a combination of all that. But what's fun is when I posted this, Carrie Conran, the director of or the the designer of all the Sky Captain stuff, wrote on my Instagram. And he was like, that's really cool. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So we had a little back and forth. Um, It is surprising that the notes I get from different people. So you can see, Joe, uh, why I've asked uh, Jason to be on this episode, because uh, not only does he know a lot about toys, but uh, yeah, he makes them. And 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 we're hoping to have some big licenses for the second wave. But so the Rocketeers are sold out. The license period was very limited because, uh, you know, that goes back and forth with Disney and everything. And so this was, again, with the estate, they let us do this little carve out, get all these different characters out there. So we could only offer them for X amount of time before they renegotiate the big contracts. We're hoping it will come back around. Please. So please let me know. <laughs> so everything that's not Rocketeer is still for sale on Big yeah. Bad Toy Store. And you can you can get to links on my Instagram and stuff. Okay, cool. Um, but we're hoping, like I said, if the Rocketeer, if the license comes back around, uh, we're hoping to be able to do a movie series and do Betty, do Lothar, oh, do that'd be great. Neville Sinclair. Nice. Now, would you be able to have the, li- the likenesses of the uh, actors that portrayed them or uh, probably not, right? I think think ish we're definitely doing an unmasked rocketeer too i think so because i i think all of that is covered in their contracts (laughs) so that was kind of especially for for a lot of these uh that's was kind of standard if you didn't have like a warren Beatty, you know dick tracy situation everybody else in that movie signs their rights for merchandise over like harrison ford doesn't can't approve anything for star wars or indian Jones. no really mark hamill doesn't approve anything well no lucas 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 all of it pretty famously says you want to be part of these movies like you're you're signing us we will deal with the likeness issues that's interesting because uh in this yeah in this day of where they're bringing you know deceased actors back um or you know or younger versions of actors um well it's it's in large part it's because of of how the ips are i'm going to guess marvel is the same way where they may get a courtesy check but i don't Mm. think they see any of it i think marvel is the one that deals with all of it Disney deals with all of it. I've dealt with Disney a lot over the years and, you know, they, they do that, but you really don't have those kind of things where you get into likeness issues in this day and age are the movies. Nobody (laughs) bothered to do rights for because no one thought anything would ever happen like this. So like you do a Godfather. Well, of course, no one ever said, "Hey, James Con, gonna make yeah. action figures of Sonny Corleone getting shot in the toll." Yeah, we're gonna make action figures. He comes with a cannoli, but he leaves the gun. So it's that kind of thing where, yeah, they they have to go to a state, they have to dig up the actors, there uh, or James Bond for that matter. There have always been like historic standouts that just don't want toys made of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's nearly impossible to do it. And a lot of times, too, if it's a movie, they'll make something that's roughly like that person, but it won't have a it would they won't even try to get a likeness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's easier that way. Well, it's interesting that you bring up James Bond because I think the the primary focus for for the episode today uh, mm-hmm. is kind of talking about, like Joel said, a companion piece to our cartoon episode from last week, where we kind of talked about the the cartoons that made us for lack of a better term, <laughs> uh, the, the stuff that we grew up on and uh, and shaped what it is that we look for now. And, you know, I think the thing that went hand in hand with those cartoons were the toys, Absolutely. you know, the toys oh, yeah. that that went along with it, the Transformers, G.I. Joe's, He-Man, um, you know, those were my bread and butter. And uh, I, 
I, I remember in the 80s, another thing that really shaped like the toys that I played around with, like I I don't know why. I don't know why this was a thing. And maybe you can answer this, Jason, but there seemed to be this like short term where every toy had like holograms on it. <laughs> like there was a, a holographic image on the chest. There were the visionaries. I can exactly can tell you exactly what happened. Please. So now this, this is this is conjecture. Um, I can't tell you exactly what happened. I can tell you what I think happened. Um, nice disclaimer. Well, now, now he's backpedaling. Yeah, wow. He's stepping it back. Yeah, I got to I got to give you a little background, and I'll tell you why I think it happened. So one thing in the toy industry, a lot of people don't realize is that there's a lot of things, huge hit toys that aren't necessarily developed by the companies that make them. There's a lot of independent inventors out there, even today. Even you, if you're an inventor, you can walk into Hasbro and said, I've come up with this new idea. I'm going to license it hmm. to you. I'm going to get a chunk of this, or you're going to pay me outright, and we're going to create this toy. And there was a guy, I'm going to get the name wrong. I want to say it's Marvin Glass. Hmm. Um, I love his music. I'm going to look that up. So, <laughs> brother of Philip. Um, <laughs> one does toys. Yeah, so Marvin Glass and Associates, uh, was a very famous uh, like agency that did nothing but toy inventions. Mm. And um, now, when you say inventions, what does that mean to the layman and me? Okay, because I don't so, understand either. So, well, a lot of times they would just bring either fully formed toys, like say a slinky. Mm. Okay, that's an invention. Like someone didn't yeah. sit around saying, "What's going to be the next big thing?" Maybe it's a spring. Mm -hmm. It's someone. Norville Barnes. Came yeah, up with the that's exactly yeah. it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it. A lot of it is, 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 is just like how that kind of stuff happened mm -hmm. is these people were messing around the shop. The spring shot out. It went down a set of stairs by accident. <laughs> Almost injured a child and they thought, oh, that'd be a great toy. <laughs> yeah, this this might be fun. And then they took it around to everybody and one company bit and they ended up making slinkies. But yeah. the people who designed it, that they weren't in the toy industry. So Marvin hmm. Glass did things like the mousetrap game and ants in your pants, the evil can evil oh. stunt cycle. <laughs> well, he came up with that. Yeah. Wall walkers, smash up derby, man of a thousand faces, mad marbles, great Garlou, rock'em, sock'em robots. Yes. Wow. Uh, silly putty. Whoa. This yeah. guy is prolific. And it's for every, uh, and it's all the different companies, Marks, Mattel, Matchbox, Milton Bradley, Parker Brothers, Whitman. You know, I'm going down the, the list of this. Um, so that's what they would do. So you have a lot of inventors. So what I would say when we go back to the holograms is I'm going to say somebody came up with that for the first time and took it around to the toy companies yeah. and said, I want to license my technology. I've got mm -hmm. a new piece of technology I want to license. And everyone saw it and said, wow, that's amazing. We've never seen holograms before. Yeah. So that year, next year, you've got all these toy lines that suddenly are incorporating holograms. And it's funny because I'm recreating some uh, Kenner toys that never got produced for superpowers. And one of them has a hologram on his chest. It's just bizarre. Uh, the character doesn't have a hologram. El Dorado from the Super Friends cartoon. We're not yeah. sure what it would be because there's just concept it's art. the last person to have a hologram. He spins around. And when, so we're just not sure why they put a hologram on his chest. But yeah. I've seen the prototype. It, it was carved with like a flat circle to put a sticker of a hologram there. Wow. Interesting. Exactly because, like visionaries in these guys. Yeah, that. visionaries had like dudes would have shields with like tigers that were in it and like, you know, the, the cartoon that went along with it, the, the animals came out of the shields or came out yeah, of the weapons. Yeah. Uh, then there was something called, I think, Beast Battlers uh, where 
each of these beasts had like an element like you, you look at it and one had fire one had water and you know it kind of it signified what kind of tribe it was uh, even you know i guess it kind of was a takeoff of the same the same idea when transformers mm-hmm. and i don't know how long this lasted but transformers had like the um you you did the heat activated you rubbed the logo yes. to see if they were actually a decepticon mm-hmm. or an autobot yeah, i remember that um it was a weird level of interaction with the toys that was like, okay, this is a little extra. We didn't have to go yeah. this far, but like, this is a, a fun new selling point. And God knows they were just slapping those logos on old toys that yeah. hey, they had already sold that were just sitting <laughs> exactly. around. They're like, how do, how do we move these bumblebees? Yeah. Uh, put a logo put a on, it. on it. We were kind of lousy with the heat activated technology stuff back there in the late 80s. I remembered it spilled over into clothing with the, um, yeah. what was it called? Hypercolor. Hypercolor, that's what they called it. Hypercolor, remember that? So when you sweat, your armpits turn pink. That's what I had. <laughs> you had mood rings, you had... Yes, you, yes. You, but yeah. but that's what it is. Someone comes up with something, and one company doesn't have the patent. Everybody's licensing its technology, so everybody's trying to get in on that gravy train while it's a fad. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was designing fast food toys, my boss, when I first got into it, and I knew nothing about it, and he would tell me, because I, of course, want to just design, hey, it's a Batman figure. Yeah. And he'd say, no, <laughs> these toys, they always have to have two things. They have to do two different things. So it can't be a Batman. It has to be a Batman that's also a magnifying glass so he can solve crimes. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Batman that comes across, you know, apart and he does that. And I remember huh. I didn't quite get the concept in the first thing because my, my old coworkers still joke about it. The first thing I proposed, uh, we we're doing generic toys and I came up with mythological monster detectives. <laughs> and everyone was just staring at me and I was like, well, you know, it's like a Loch Ness monster that's a that's a squirter. So it reveals the clues. And uh, it's a Bigfoot. That's a stamper. This is amazing. The, the <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And they all solve mysteries and they were yeah. looking at me and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, well, you said it had to do two things. So they're crime fighters that are monsters. He's <laughs> like, no, <laughs> they meant to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Literally be a they meant the toy had to have two functions. <laughs> yeah. I like your so. version better, though. I do too, I, man. You know, and I'll say, Monster and Bigfoot teaming up. <laughs> yeah, years later, when I was, uh, and it was like a Yeti with a nice slider you put in the fridge, and then you could <laughs> like, like his his feet were encased in ice, you could shoot him across the table. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, trying to think what else I had, but uh, Mothman. I had a Mothman that that flew or was a glider or something. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, when I was at Wendy's years later doing doing the toys, I desperately tried to bring that back, and uh-huh. again, they weren't having it. Oh, dude, that that's I'll tell you, I think we we grew up in like a golden age. Joel and I grew up oh, yeah. in a golden age of like the fast food toys, oh, man. The, Happy Meals. They, the, I, the stuff that my kids get now are trash. And I wonder <laughs> if like I, I wonder if that's just because I was of an age where I'm like, oh, I really appreciate like I like this. This speaks I, to me. But like like we had the, this Muppet Babies yeah. line that still to me is legendary. Yeah. We had the the McDonald's Transformers where it's now like you got a, a thing of fries that turns into a robot. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is this is awesome. Yeah. Like th- there are there are these old fast food toys from back in the day that as a 45 year old man, I'm like, man, I still wish I had that on my yeah. shelf. That was that was pretty sharp. I like that one. I, now I can like explain my, that too. I, ex, please explain it because my I kids come you. home now with like weird Little Mermaid stuff, and like it seems like all the McDonald's toys now are supposed to be like trains, and you just connect them, and yeah. and you know like they they're just supposed to like go and hop, and I'm like that's that's not fun yeah. for me. So I want to play with these too. Yeah. So so what the basic <laughs> basic basic fact of that is, and a lot of the stuff. That's what happens to toys in general, unfortunately. Uh, well, the, there's 
again, I'm going to give you a four-part answer to this. Um, <laughs> we'll cut it all out. The big, the big, the big answer is the Iraq war happened. What? And yeah. It did, Joel. So the, it was what? in the 90s. The Iraq war happened, <laughs> and therefore we have no toys. Um, no, the, the price of oil shot through the roof, and plastics oh. made of oil. Oil takes shipping from China. At the same time, we start cracking down on China for human rights violations and stuff so no longer could they work like oh, no. three shifts around the clock in every factory no. <laughs> like they had to let them go home at some point um, all of our toys are tainted joe yeah i know it's 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 weird so get those kids back in the factory <laughs> yeah that's that's it we can't beat up the kids in the factory anymore it's small to make, price to pay right to make your kids toys get back to um, work wow. we've gone soft but the the McDonald's big got woke. issue with it is is you <laughs> see these at the same time mid two thousands you see these huge price spikes in toys in general whereas an action figure used to be three or four dollars five dollars six dollars whatever now they're fifteen twenty thirty dollars yeah because everything mm -hmm. shot through the roof wow um, part of it was and we're seeing it with inflation now Walmart kept the price so artificially low for so long canceling out inflation it's why we had very low inflation because they just kept getting more efficient they kept driving everyone else out of business then they'd use their economies of scale to drive prices down at the vendors that when those floodgates broke and everybody could raise prices and get away with it they all shot the price way up to make up for all the lost prices we're, we're seeing that mm -hmm. same cycle yeah. again right now where everyone's using the guise of inflation even if they're making record profits to jack the price way up because oh they know God, they're yes. not going to be able to do it going forward yep. so that was a big thing mm -hmm. why it affected fast food toys so much was because you can't charge more for them they're a dollar add-on to go in the kids meal so yep, the yeah. only thing you can do is dumb down the toy because you're paying so much more in costs, mm -hmm. but you can't get that money back by charging the consumer. You know, Man. so that's a big thing. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to pay $20 for a jack-in-the-box antenna. <laughs> no, and those, I mean, those basically went away. <laughs> Although I don't know if uh -huh. anyone has radios anymore with satellite radio and stuff. So, I love those. Um, I miss that. They were that's great. True. I worked for Jack in the Box also for a while. Uh, that was my very first Did you? job in the wow. toy industry. Yeah, that's fantastic advertising. It's Great uh, that's why I moved to Dallas because yep. the the toy company was based in Dallas and I, know, oh. I guess Jack in the Box was San Diego. But yeah. anyway, uh, the second thing is, is internet happened, so mm -hmm. the instant outrage of parents mm. became much more of an issue oh, that geez. overlaps when I was at Wendy's and they had a wow. zero complaint policy. So anytime someone complained <laughs> about anything, we could never make that toy again. So one of the things wow. is well, it's everything. We had little snow globes and we had what you remember water games? We could make water games pretty cheap. I love those. It was the same thing. You little, yeah, like yeah. have little pumps and the like, little extra uh -huh. and like yeah. rings on the on it's the great. thing. Yeah. Love those. Or, yeah, make a basketball go in the hoop. Yeah. Well, uh -huh. if you're getting them at a fast food place, they're not filling them up there, so they have to be packaged in China, right. filled in China and sealed. Yeah. So oh. if you have one that leaks, it only takes one parent to say my kid drank Chinese water. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> whether they got sick or not, for then the word to filter down to it's us. Got the water from China. No more water toys. Oh, come on. You know, on. we had a case where we had these great Looney Tunes pens, and uh, they had little uh, vibrators in them. 
No right. jokes. Uh, <laughs> you don't even have to finish that story. I know this is where this is but going. But you yeah. turn them on and you write and you get a wavy line, right? <laughs> I just, I love the thought behind that though. Like, hey kids, you want to learn to write like Michael J. Fox? Yeah. <laughs> Here's oh, a pen that oh, man. <laughs> That's not where I thought the jokes were going. Let me just say that up front. Yeah, that's a tape. Um, I was like, read it now. Um, so uh, the, some kids got them and wrote all over the backseat of their grandparents' car because they gave them the, the pens on the way home. Not on and, the leather. Uh, that was it. We're never allowed to do pens again because the people complain. I love that that isn't like the responsibility of the, the adult that gave them the pen. Like, come you on. would think. Come on, Joe. This is America. With the internet, <laughs> with all that kind of stuff. Um, basically things got a lot tamer. Like no one wanted to, to make deals. No one wanted to do anything. And then the, the big thing is kids got into video games. And oh, so no. when you have the dumbed down toys, now I feel responsible. They don't want the toys as much and they're not as fun and they don't have the big licenses necessarily. And so all that feeds back into the kid would rather play a video game. So all of it means less money for toys. Like a lot of them just do paper now or they do the same molds they bring back and recolor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really McDonald's. Or you get those uh, shitty Kinder eggs with uh, these Dude. these quote-unquote oh, toys. I can't believe you're talking bad about Kinder they're eggs. They're like the Ikea of uh, toys. My like, daughter here, loves those and they're, they're horrible. Here's a bunch of parts inside of Kinder eggs that, uh, first of all, the chocolate's Kinder awful. Eggs makes so much yeah. money. And then uh, here... Make your own toy. Well, wasn't there like a listeria outbreak with the Kinder Eggs really? like a, a year or two ago? <laughs> Probably. Kinder Eggs were not allowed in the U.S. for a long, long time because yeah. it couldn't be swallowable. Swallow, swallowable. Swallowable. In fact, yeah. uh, this used to. I used to have this at the office, Joel. I don't know if I ever showed it to you, but I used to have my choke tube on the the little thing in Whoa. my office next to me, a little shelf. And uh, used to creep people out. So what a choke tube is, is it's literally like a little clear plastic child's esophagus. And oh. when you're designing something, it either has to fall straight through without touching the sides <laughs> or too big to ever even get remotely in it. So you always have your oh, choke tube God. when you're designing. Why would that creep people out, Jason? I don't understand. I know. So I don't know. Oh, I mean, doesn't everyone have a choke tube? <laughs> 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 no, I never, I never saw your choke tube. Please. So yeah, so uh, see the the more you learn, <laughs> yeah, <it's> educational. <laughs> so so let me ask you this because you had mentioned you mentioned how video games added to like the decline of yeah. these fast food toys. I think there are a few fast food outlets that tried to do like some mm -hmm. little handheld digital like I probably not I wouldn't call them games but kind of like if you remember the oh yeah. The, uh, the electronic games from like the, the late 80s, early 90s, where it was like you weren't really controlling a character. You were just tiger. moving on to the next. Yeah, the tiger games moving on to the next little like animated yeah. bit or whatever. Uh, and I, I remember there were a couple of uh, fast food restaurants that did that. I think like McDonald's did like a Crash Bandicoot or something like that. Uh, now, is that something that's designed and produced the same way or are you then probably bringing... not? Okay. So so something like that. And I think someone even tied into the Tamagotchis and stuff that would be a licensing deal with Tiger or Tamagotchi. Mm. So for those months, literally like the the agency doing the toys might have input and definitely Burger King or whoever would be doing them would have input into what they were going to be get made. But a lot of that stuff mm -hmm. to nothing's super unique it's going to be repurposed we did when i was at burger king right when i started so i had very little to do with it but i was there uh we did these x-men cd games oh so they got some off-the-shelf cd games cd-roms and 
reskinned them with oh. X-Men and put those out. So those are pretty cheap to produce. But those were the toys. Like, I think they had like a little <laughs> CD non-movable figurine of like four characters and then you got a cd yeah because it's shiny objects i mean execs were always super super impressed by shiny <laughs> well, objects that seems so um, dated now i think there was like a backstreet boys web like you got codes with the little backstreet the boys figures. like stan lee was doing a cartoon or something with them and yeah you can go online and play like a game that <laughs> oh my someone did that unlocked it so so they tried rest in peace bet you won't see that in the documentary on disney plus no, no. <laughs> they, they gloss right over that batter stripperella all his his wonderful ideas and then there was the time that i teamed with the backstreet boys oh yeah i remember that they're like real life superheroes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, rest, rest in, in peace, peace. Yes. no no well this is i mean this is outstanding mm -hmm. I, I i couldn't have even imagined like this your, is why your, i brought him on your here. breadth of experience and your knowledge when it comes to this stuff um i think i've shown you this joel we we're talking about cartoons i'll just bring him up that? this is my favorite this is al jolson my favorite warner brothers cartoon <laughs> ever i liked him jolson about yeah, this yeah, this is exactly the end of June and spring. So, <laughs> never had anything, so I felt sculpting one. I'm going to paint some. That's so great. So, so you've you've 3D printed this, right? This is how this works. Yeah. So I, I uh, sculpt them and then I 3D print them and clean them and then paint them. And when you say sculpt them, to be clear, like you're doing it on your computer using some software. Digitally, right? 100%. Yeah. Yes. So you're doing it all from scratch. I know sometimes you like find models uh, of others and then you kind of modify them from there to add your own. Yeah, that something like that or Mappy is 100% from scratch. And all of these guys are basically 100% from scratch. Wow. So this is That's what took me four years of teaching myself. Which is amazing because it looks, it looks so good. It looks like the the, the superpowers line. I yeah. yeah I, I I that's the thing is I do have a huge background in does toy design yeah. and being an art director for all of this. We hired sculptors because I was never good enough. My hand skills aren't that great, but the the brain skills are good. So learning digital <laughs> where the computer's my bitch, I'm much <laughs> better than if I had to push this around with clay and everything. So, oh man, can you imagine like what, what you would have been doing with this stuff in in your youth had you had the uh, the technology? There's a three D print here? with that. It's a Lobo. Oh so wow, a, yeah, look at that. Yes, you know, Lobo. I saw that recently on your on your Instagram yeah. page. This is your latest uh, so, creation, Lobo. So these will at some point I'll eBay them or whatever, but I put in oh, magnets, magnets for the articulation. Mm. So, dude, oh. totally posable. They're nice. They're solid. That's so cool. And you know, there, there's something about that. That superpowers line is so iconic. Mm -hmm. And it, the, I, I remember walking down the aisle in in a Walmart and seeing that that classic packaging mm -hmm. immediately grabbed my eye. I think it was on an end cap. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what is this? Uh, and grabbed like I grabbed Superman, Batman, uh, and they ended up releasing like Wonder Woman later on, The Flash. Um, one of the things that I was so heartbroken and it's so stupid, but I was so heartbroken because one of the things obviously that you loved about the superpowers line was like the, the action, you know, squeezing the legs and making Superman punch. And, yeah. You know, are we going to get back to something like that? Or do you think that never no, there's just, it's never, just a little too complex. Never. And I'll, no. and I'll tell you why. Because of the Chinese water, right? It's because of Chinese water. Um, <laughs> because, and that's what's funny is there are a lot of people that were really mad when the McFarlane stuff did not have the uh, action features. And even people kept writing me and saying, oh, can you squeeze their legs? Can you do stuff? 
And I was like, sure, you, you squeeze their legs, and their legs will, will pop off. Not what I think they meant. So, well, the the cool thing is, people don't know, we made all the parts interchangeable. Mm. So we can oh, have like a library of parts for the next few waves because tooling this is very yeah. expensive. But also, if you want to customize and mix and match, you can just pop the arms and legs off. That's awesome. That um, but yeah, so action features, those mechanisms, super expensive. Yeah. So I am, not to not to brag, uh, but I'm the foremost expert in the superpowers line. I was the guy that unveiled all of the stuff that no one had ever seen back in the nineties really? and had the first archive. And so if you see any information online, almost all of it came from me, even if they don't credit me <laughs> now, cause the internet, is it true that cyborg um, is the rarest of the figures? Uh, I'm not sure, is he? Oh, look at this guy. Wow, oh my God. He's got it right there. <laughs> So I'm so yes, he is. And I'll, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you about superpowers. So I actually have a big article at some year coming out, but I've been interviewing the, the guys that are still around who designed the lines and set them up and everything to get the full scoop. So what happened was, uh, superpowers came out in 84 mm -hmm. and they, uh, Kenner wanted it to be a huge hit. Star Wars was winding down. They needed something really big. There was mm -hmm. a huge bidding war for DC Comics because, of course, DC was the prize, not yeah, Marvel. Exactly. Oh, because yeah. at uh, you think early 80s, people were like, X-Men, who the hell are mm -hmm. the X-Men? Of course. You know, especially if you're talking to non-kid comic collectors, mm -hmm. they know who Spider-Man is. They may know Captain America. They may know Hulk. Yeah. But that's it. Everything past that, they're not going to know Namor. They're not going to know, you know, yeah. Iron mm -hmm. Man. Like even the, the the big guns we know today, they just had no idea. So that wasn't a, a big thing. But the, but they needed Star Wars. But Superman, Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, you know, everybody knew these characters. At least the basic character: Joker, Penguin, Riddler. Right. Um. So huge name recognition for the DC stuff. There's a huge bidding war. Uh. Kenner won out because their pitch was they're going to be able to do their superpower, which is why the line's called superpowers. Um, the toy can do their superpower. Mm -hmm. You will be able to activate a mechanism to let them punch or kick or fly or Smart. do whatever. And they were, of course, hollow. They had to engineer these mechanisms inside. So if you squeeze their arms or legs or whatever, it would activate some kind of mechanism to make the figure do yeah. stuff. Um, pretty, pretty amazing for the time, especially for the size and the form factor. Yeah. Uh, but what that did is it made them much more expensive than a star Wars figure or anything else. And they, of course they can't have a price point much higher. True. So what they did the first year, 84 is they pumped out, uh, all the main characters and they're the plan was, and this is what a lot of plan was like star Wars did the same kind of thing. The second year, they would start filling in the gaps, but they'd start having more secondary characters, more villains, mm -hmm. more obscure stuff, and they'd continue to ship Wave 1 the life of yeah. the line. So Superman was always available. Flash was always available. And the others, they would play it by ear of what quantities to make, yeah. right? So by the end of year two, year three is in production, Right. Because you have like a year's lead time of having to design and produce and everything before things can get in the store. So year three is in production in China. Year four is already being sculpted. Everything's being done, which would have been 87. Mm -hmm. uh, and summer of 85, Kenner basically said, 
okay, we got the first year sales back. Oh, no. Not a big hit. Oh. These are super expensive. Kill it. Oh, damn. So year three got killed while it was in production. So they had a playset, which is the Tower of Darkness. Dark Side's huge playset never came out. It's on the back of the package. You have a vehicle that never came out. <laughs> oh, no. It's on the back of the packages. <laughs> um, and the figures that were in stages of production, mm. the production line basically stopped. And because Cyborg is vac metalized, which is a more that. time intensive uh, procedure yeah. to vac metal something, uh, he was as far as i can tell the last one in production That's amazing <laughs> so all of wave three has much all of them plastic man golden pharaoh orion all of these guys have a much lower run than the other waves just in general but then cyborg being the very last one out of the gate has the the very lowest run and therefore he's mm -hmm. you know the he was very hard to find when he came out yes like, like yes. you could not find them. And I wasn't a collector. I didn't start collecting until college. I had no idea. I was aware superpowers came out with Batman and Superman, and I was a, a comic collector. So I was huge into Marvel, mm -hmm. a little bit into DC. My, my best friend was big into DC. So we'd get comics every week, and then we'd immediately trade each other's books at whoever's house we were at and yeah. read each other's books, then trade back our own books so we could go home and read what we bought, if that makes sense. Yeah. So every yeah. week... We had like a like kind of a double dip in Marvel and DC. I got all Marvel. He got all DC. Um, mm -hmm. So in college, when he discovered a Green Arrow at a flea market, like brought it back, like flipping out, like they made a Green Arrow figure. I had the Green Arrow. Yeah. Did you really? It was like ninety. So we uh, is really cool. So we started he lifted up his hands with the bow and arrow. He lifted it up. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> just hunting down all this stuff. That's cool. And that's most of the star wars you see behind me were mine we picked up in college at flea markets and they're all played with they're all like cheap like nothing's mint we were just trying to get stuff we never had as kids you know fill yeah. in all those gaps and there was no internet so the whole reason i became mm -hmm. big and i got in the toy industry is because when the internet started in the mid 90s you know i got into it in the world wide web i realized those years i spent trying to figure out what just got made because there was mm -hmm. no references i would start making websites to just put this information online oh that's yeah. great no we have you catalog it yeah no that's great so jason i'm going to want to get into like the things that got you into toys in the first place mm -hmm. but first just to kind of put the i want to put the bow on on superpowers uh because we did talk about how like superpowers was that was the key that was that was the the golden ring right there that people wanted mm -hmm. because they were the characters yep. that you knew and no one really knew marvel but around that same time marvel did give us secret wars and i'm curious because i was really fond of that line actually and they've just Look at that. That's Wolverine. I've got, I've got this that is a Wolverine. fun game. Every time we say a, uh, the name of a toy, Jason will just reach off screen and uh, show it to us. I That's was amazing. really fond of that line. <laughs> and maybe because of the lack of articulation, like I always loved that Star Wars, like yeah. the very stiff thing. Yeah. But um, they had the lenticular shields that kind of yep. gave you a little bit of story of what was going on. And I'm very curious. And maybe you've got this info. Maybe you don't. How did that perform? It performed uh, okay. So, Joel, at the time, like, Secret Wars introduced, like, there were, like, it had Spider-Man, it had Doctor mm -hmm, Doom, mm -hmm. it had Captain America and Falcon, but then, like, like he just held up. Like, it was the first time you got Wolverine in an action figure oh, yeah. form, and around that time, 100%. Wolverine was not 
popular. Like he was, yeah, I loved him, but he he really wasn't a household name. So it was always very interesting to me that like, wow, like that that's really weird that somebody was like, we need a mold. We need something we can sell. <laughs> hey, that guy looks like Batman. Let's <laughs> yeah, make him. He does get him. Okay. <laughs> I just wrote the definitive article on Secret Wars, oh. uh, like the one I'm working on for superpowers that's in this new magazine called toy collector with no oh, e at the end and it just that? hit barnes and noble with my uh sweet my issue so i think it's issue six five oh, or wow. six is out but it's got pictures and everything but i'm going to tell you the information right now so here's the scoop on secret wars which is very interesting so mattel lost out on superpowers to kenner and they really wanted superpowers they wanted, wanted the DC license, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So they went after the next big thing. They called up Marvel and said, hey, we want to license your characters. And Marvel was like, license our characters. No one's even ever asked us that. <laughs> like they had Migos <laughs> and stuff. But it was so much like, you know, everybody wanted Superman and Batman. And uh, Marvel was just kind of an afterthought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so uh, Jim Shooter, the editor-in-chief of Marvel at the time, uh sat down and Mattel said, we want to license the characters and we want you to make a special comic um, to promote these. You know, it's a, it's a fairly famous story at this point. So they came up with Secret Wars. Mattel named it Secret Wars because their market research had showed them those two words uh, <laughs> triggered something in young boys. Yeah. <laughs> Secrets well, and wars. I have a secret about a war. So they had absolutely no story, no nothing to go with this. <laughs> Just they gave them a name and said, we need a whole bunch of your characters um, to go in Secret Wars. So that's hilarious. It's, yeah. it's so, Joel. It's one of the worst. Like it's it's. I love the comic tie-in, uh -huh. but at the same time, it is one of the worst comic book crossovers like ever. If you were to read it, <laughs> like the only issue that's kind of a full issue is number one. Every subsequent issue after that recaps every single issue before it horribly like you get almost <laughs> the entire story to the point where the final issue of secret wars is like three or four pages of actual like new story and not a recap it's it, it, it's so shameless and and it's weird and the weird thing is that's their next you know the mcu's next big movie right. event yeah. coming yes. up is going to be secret wars but Can't wait yeah so in, in a nutshell if you don't know about the comic it was a 12 issue limited series one one comic a month right Mm -hmm. But one of the mandates that they did was this needed to have consequences for all of Marvel Comics. So a Ooh. ton of things changed in the course of the story. Spider-Man got his black costume, black costume. Yeah. the first time he switched uh, costumes. Uh, She-Hulk joined the Fantastic Four. Um, oh. You know, did some characters were left behind. Like, like lots of stuff happened throughout the story. But what happened in the regular books was one month, the last page, the characters disappear and go into the secret wars. And then the next month, they suddenly showed up having been changed by the secret wars. <laughs> yes. But secret wars at that point was only on issue one or two. Oh, no. <laughs> so you had to wait a year to figure out. Like they didn't what tell the you in the regular happened? books. It was like suddenly Spider-Man just shows up with a black costume and they don't explain it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ran out of budget for ink. So it was, it was a very strange event, but it was huge. Did huge sales. I think uh, each issue was the top selling book of the month for comics mm -hmm. 
for uh, that year. That's funny. right. And so they immediately did Secret Wars two. It was a sequel, which is even worse. It was so uh, bad. It was so bad. Just so crazy. Um, <laughs> but the toys, Mattel, meanwhile, could care less. They just wanted some kind of event to hype so they could sell toys. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I found out talking to the Mattel guys who worked on it, uh, which is interesting because almost to a man, all the ex Mattel employees were super bitter and you know, just <laughs> oh, no. nothing but griping and grudges. Um, so whereas Kenner said, we're going to throw every resource imaginable into superpowers. We're going to put these mechanisms and we're they're going to be exactly like they looked in the comic and we're going to do all this stuff. Mattel was already flying high with He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, right? Mm -hmm. Which was completely their IP. They developed it. They got 100% of the That's cash right. back. Nothing's licensed. They licensed it out. They had a cartoon to go with it, et cetera, et cetera. But it was all done in-house at Mattel. Secret Wars, not only were they going to have to give Marvel a cut for the licensing, but it occupied that same kind of heroic space as Masters of the Universe. Uh-oh. Uh Conflict Whereas of interest. Kenner, Star Wars was winding down. G.I. Joe didn't conflict with superpowers. They all had different scales and stuff. So yeah. Mattel wanted to compete with uh, Kenner in this superhero realm. But what they ended up doing was. So there's like three <laughs> torsos, mm -hmm. no. six legs, oh, no. six arms and different heads. Almost all the details are painted on. I don't know if you can see yep. this, Joel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they have some snap on accessories. Very limited sculpting, very limited everything. And and of course, it feels like and a lot of mix and match parts. So you you have like a lot of people at first glance think it's all the same figure that's just been repainted because mm -hmm. they're all in a similar stance. <laughs> they all look very much alike. No female figures. Yeah, um, that's kind of hard to reuse. Hardly any unique uh, figures. So it's it, it's a really bizarre line. But the point of it was. They called it a flanker brand. They said the whole point of Secret Wars is it can't take any sales away from Masters Universe. So it has to be dumbed down enough. It has to be bad enough that oh, no. no one will pick it over a He-Man figure. Oh, wow. But if they're not going to buy the He-Man figure, we still want to capture those sales. So it served <sighs> this very bizarre purpose of who's not buying He-Man but might want a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> But we can't That's have so it crazy. overshadow He-Man. Yeah, and I, I found that out like 10 years ago. It had been a long time. That's crazy. Uh, ago that I found that out, right? So I love these stories, man. I love uh, so, a little peek behind the curtain of how all this stuff is made. All the deals. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I love this. And the reason why like you've got different variants of Wolverine, like you have the Wolverine that has the silver claws, and then there was a Wolverine with black claws. That's, was That's a running change. That's that's simply okay. And so let me. This goes for a little bit for Kenner too, but definitely for Mattel. These are middle-aged white guys who don't read comics <laughs> and don't watch cartoons. Yeah, and that was it. Toy design. I, I overlap this period. I started it in the '90s and into the 2000s, where you had craftsmen that this just a career they went into because they like to design product. You know, so they looked at everything as just product to design. It's why Kenner made up superheroes for superpowers. And everybody's like, why weren't they using 
Swamp Thing are things that yeah. actually existed. Why are they making up characters like Golden Pharaoh? Well, because these yeah. guys didn't know what any of it was, and they had a cool mechanism that didn't fit any of the DC characters, mm -hmm. so they're just going to make up a character so they can use their cool mechanism. Well, mm -hmm. on the Secret Wars side, they didn't know who any of these characters were. They might have been some suggested by Marvel. The first wave, I think all of the, the figures appeared in the Secret Wars book. Yeah. And... Again, it's a weird mix. You've got Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man, Wolverine, right? That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Kang, Doctor Doom, Doctor Octopus, and... I think it's like Baron Zemo or Hobgoblin. Those were in the, the second wave. I'm trying oh, to think were they? the okay. fourth. I've got them. I'm looking at them all on my shelf right now. Um, <laughs> I have no doubt. What I love about this is that, like, we've already, we've brought up toy lines that I'm not sure that Joel knows, but you know exactly yeah. what, you have them at the ready to, to talk about them and well, display they're always them. there. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's, this is so fun for me because since I was eight years old, I've had questions about these toy lines. Go. Like, well, what happened here? And why was this this way? Ask and a toy maker. To finally yeah. get, like, yeah, to finally get those answers and peel back the, uh, the curtain. But I guess... What I would love to know is for, you know, what started you down this journey, Jason? What 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 is the toy that you first became so passionate about that you were like, Ooh. yeah, this is what I want to do. This is this is my path. So to be <laughs> honest, I wanted to be an animator. Hey, me too. Um, I wanted to to work for Disney and be an Imagineer. And I in a, right when I went to college, they opened, I think, the 11th Disney store in the country in San Antonio. And I mm -hmm. amazingly went through this crazy interview process, like four interviews to, to get hired. And then I had to go through a week long orientation in a hotel. It was really crazy at the time. He was groomed. Um, but I was hired for one of the first Disney stores because they thought it was going to be like an extension of the parks. So they made you go through Disney U and you were a cast member and everything just like the parks. And they had park people come in and train you and Mickey and Minnie showed up for a grand opening and <laughs> all this oh, wow. crazy stuff. Uh, to this day, still probably the worst job I've ever had, <laughs> relatively. I've, oh, no. I've heard stories before about your experiences. Um, just brutal. It beat all the, the want to be an animator out of me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what I wanted to be. I was a film major. Again, my buddy just showed up one day with Green Arrow. And literally for two years, every weekend, we were just circling garage sales and flea markets. And we were just finding stuff. So anything that looked cool mm -hmm. toy-wise, we were picking up. And yeah, and then in college, I, I ended up going to Texas Tech in the early 90s. Got online through just a happenstance of a professor talking to him and just saying, hey, do you want an email? One day, like <laughs> 92, 93, before I even knew really what was an up, what anything was. I taught myself HTML like immediately and started putting up websites wow. because I had a passion. And again, I was going to school for mass communications and I like mm -hmm. learning almost nothing because I was just playing doom and coding at night, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> toy websites, but people started writing me. Uh, I started breaking scoops. I started meeting other people kind of in this, like Usenet was the thing. There was no like social media. It was mm -hmm. Usenet groups. I don't know if you guys are, old enough to remember yes. using oh, yeah. that but oh, I, yeah. I was big yep. into usenet um so then that led to i think 96 comic san diego comic con so i i started a web page 
that went for a few years with a bunch of the stuff. And I met a guy in Houston who was working for like MD Anderson Cancer Center of all things, who was also doing a bunch of toy collector stuff. We hit it off. And so we merged our pages in like 95, 96. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. And became a uh, raving toy maniac was our page. And it was the first big toy website clearinghouse. We were featured on CNN, like, and again, I was just getting out of school. I had no job. Like I had to move back in with my parents. I couldn't find work uh, with my mass comm degree. Um, <laughs> Shocking. And at the same time, yeah, at the same time, what was crazy was San Diego Comic-Con called us and said, hey, we want to do toy panels and oh. we don't know who to talk to. Dude. So is this mm -hmm. something you guys would want to do or do you want to, you know, or do you know who to point us to? Um and so, uh, yeah, we were like, sure. Like on two weeks notice, <laughs> I had to like borrow a bunch of money to go out to, to Comic-Con. This is when you could get tickets like on two weeks notice. Yeah. Um, but we went out there, we did toy panels and we had like the Four Horsemen and McFarlane toys and guys from Hasbro oh, awesome. and uh, everything else because we had made a lot of contacts. And so uh, from that, we went to Toy Fair. We were the first like website to be... Uh, qualified as press that took us months to convince them that we were press we wore suits to toy fair because <laughs> wow. oh, we legit. had no idea what it yeah. was like we didn't know what it was and we were way overdressed but a lot of the buyers are in suits yeah um you know but we met all the guys at toy biz and art asylum and uh all everyone knew everyone at we like wizard magazine and all that kind of stuff and you just meet all these industry people um one of my roommates in college went on to be a video game designer. He worked for Ensemble Studios that did Age of Empires and oh, everything, yeah. and they were in Dallas. And so I had looked him up because I had like a stopover in Dallas, uh, I think from one of the conventions, and he just said, hey, come up here. I can introduce you around. There's a lot of people I know, you know, now in the industry, he had gone to the Art Institute. Mm -hmm. So I drove up, mm -hmm. and they were doing Jack in the Box toys. Oh, yeah. Wow. So they were working on like uh godzilla 98 i think when i was there oh, and the first uh, the the special edition cup toppers oh my God. <laughs> yes. they did for pepsi um yeah a lot of cool stuff and so uh i hit it off with them like big time because his boss was like a huge comics nerd he had like pages from carrie gamble and steve Irwin and everything oh, in the office wow. and uh and i remember it was funny too because he was like uh uh because I said, oh, that's that's a Carrie Gamble page because Carrie was always a, a, a favorite of mine, mm -hmm. artist. And he showed me the Steve Irwin page and I said, I'm not sure. I, I think that might be Steve Irwin. And he's like, yes, and there's Steve Irwin right there. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> in this queue because it was all like comic guys working there. Like Pat Broderick worked in the, the building. And I assume uh, you're not talking about the Crocodile Hunter, by the way. Not that Steve. No, Irwin. no, it's no, a different, yeah, different person. Different. In fact, <laughs> when he died and, and my sister, Crikey. I was staying at home for the holidays and my sister woke me up and said, Hey, uh, they just announced the news. Steve Irwin died. And I you thought, thought it was the other guy. How do they know who Steve Irwin is? <laughs> um, <laughs> why it's would funny. his death make the news? Um, still, I still know him. He's still, still around today. Uh, still designing toys. Anyway, uh, that was it. So I had no training. I knew nothing about <laughs> it. I could draw and paint. I could do sculpting a little bit. And I had, had been to toy fair and knew everything about toys. Um, and they needed a person and kind of took a flyer on me. <laughs> and uh, That's awesome. yeah, I, I did a lot of, uh, I, I was a very junior position, a lot of on the job learning. Right when that started, one of our first big pitches was uh, to make life-size characters for Phantom Menace. There you go. And I've, I've had online and it it's like rejected Star Wars concepts. <laughs> 
um, that everyone says like George Lucas rejected these, but I don't think he ever saw them. Like Pepsi rejected them and <laughs> yeah. everything, but they were like the the Han and Carbonite fridge and the Death Star grill. <laughs> wait, wait. And, <laughs> I want both of those. You know, Bantha slippers and that. But the, but they wanted to do these life size characters, and so I was problem with Bantha slippers is that you can only really have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta hop. Hide your um, numbers. Uh, but we had all the, these, these crazy things, and they just wanted to make you know life size Jar Jars and Yodas. And uh, they sent me to China on one day's notice, and I lived there for four months at a factory. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> because we had like six months to make forty thousand life size characters for displays, and nobody knew how to do it. Like we sold it in without knowing really how to do it, just on the wow factor because we were a startup. Yeah. We needed something to get the company off the ground. So you know, we convinced Lucasfilm we could do it, but then it was too much. Like we couldn't go, and that was back in the days of no email. Like they wouldn't let us do anything over email because of secrecy. What? You had to yeah. fly everywhere. Oh, wow. So I'd have to go to Skywalker Ranch every time we had to discuss a change. It was really crazy. Yeah, um, and you you told me stories about that time, which which kind of yeah. boggled my mind. And how uh, so? You were one of the first people, uh, you know, I guess outside of uh, Lucasfilm, who kind of who saw the new designs for, uh, you know, Jar Jar. And yeah, we came actually kind of late in the process, but definitely like a year and a half before the movie came out. So here's I just happen to have this. Here's here. Yoda. Oh my Jason's gosh, holding a. Uh, this is a test of the life size Yoda, and the green was way up. I think this was a hair test. Man, that's so, terrifying. It actually looks much better than it looked like <laughs> that's in, terrifying. The, uh, in the movie. <laughs> yeah, so if you look, you see that they're they've drawn on the sides of the hair where the yeah, hairline yeah. is. <laughs> yes, and they they'd do. like ship a bunch of like seven of these to me, and I'd have to approve them. <laughs> this is this is my favorite. This is rare. Wow, well, so this is neckbeard Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> neckbeard Yoda. So this is That's so weird. He's got a mask of Yoda with some uh, what looks like stubble. This is a hair test for Watto's beard. It oh, is. It's oh. Watto's stubble, and it's punched in by hand. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, oh yeah. my oh, that gosh! Was horrifying. So it's punched in by hand, and then glue is like swabbed on the back to hold it into place. That's how it works. It's like real hair. It's like real hair. Uh, so I don't know if you can see. There's oh, here Maul we go. Right there. Oh, oh, there's, there's the Watto Darth too. Maul in the corner. Ah. Uh, and so he's got all my lanyards from all my shows. Those are life size. Those look amazing. Jedi mind oh, yeah. the trick. <laughs> and there's uh, there's Maul with his Texas flag and a saber because I broke the blades. That is that's terrifying. By the yeah. way, <laughs> just walk into that room with no lights yeah, on. I'd I know. Be like, uh. I can't believe you have that sitting there. <laughs> that, and for Halloween, I'll put a flashlight <laughs> under his head and put him out in my Good front door. Lord, to used to scare the kids. Oh, uh, so that's where I learned everything about toys. And and since we were kind of doing a, an AMA uh, with Jason here, because I, I I was a fan of the strawberry shortcake line, uh, but mostly because of the smell. You remember strawberry shortcake, Joe? Yeah, it's part of the commercial. Yeah, strawberry shortcake. Now you're looking well, cute little doll <laughs> with a strawberry smell. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they, they're so actually bringing it... it back right now. I'm telling you, Joel. Are they really? Oh no. <laughs> now are they going to smell? Because that was that was the best I part about it. I think so. Yeah, you, you can't do strawberry shortcake without the scent. Not if they package that yeah. smell from China, Joel. They, you can't you can't That's right. smell you can't Chinese, Chinese strawberries. Else. Some Karen is going to complain about it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> My kid tried to eat the toy. <laughs> how, how did they do that, Jason? Do you know how they got the smell? Was it literally just? 
I think it's just like cologne. I think it's just uh, really sprayed into the. the yeah, Somehow well, I thought it was like infused into the plastic because it sticks around that, for a while. That's it. I think it's just. I think it's just like pouring perfume into okay, the plastic. Okay. Oh, there so you go. So at some point in the the process, it's injected in. So it is. Yeah, I think it's infused in the plastic. I think we need more of that. I, I miss my toys smelling Dude. like things. Blueberry. <laughs> pies. You are opening up the doorway to some horrible stuff, though. <laughs> One of my questions involves the Luke Skywalker figure from the Return of the Jedi line. And the fact that, and maybe it's just me, but it always seemed like his nose was always rubbed. It was always rubbed off. <laughs> it, 100%. Yeah, okay. I'll, well, I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you why that is. That's just, that's just some engineer at the factory or Kenner made the bubble too shallow. Yeah. Who oh, no. So when they put these together obviously the face is painted so what you what what happens in manufacturing and i'm going to show you uh this little test shot yeah. so this is just done with the whatever plastic they find it's the rocket you know to do right. the test shots that's why you get them uh off color and then the painted one this is a plastic sample but it's every color is painted so God, they sent so me this pretty. so i would approve the colors yeah. right because uh -huh. we did paint masters like i did 3d prints and me and some other guys I hired painted them. Um, and then they, they send those to China. Hopefully I don't lose them because we only have one of each. And then oh, Jesus. they send me these back months later saying we matched your colors as best we could. Call out any specific colors. That's through. awesome. Right? And it's like, talking about toy manufacturing, you have to figure out all like the legal and get them all stamped get on all the bottom stamped. with all yes, the different copyrights and stuff. Um, so what they do in manufacture is like this leg especially this leg piece mm -hmm. they're going to mold in that color the boot though they may mold in black and paint that's why sometimes you see paint doesn't quite match uh. because one might be a molded plastic color because they're going to look at the majority of this piece so they use as little paint as possible mm -hmm. and you get lines like mcfarlane especially or some of these where they want them to look the best they might be like this where they cast them all in white and they paint everything wow God. And then you get paint rub and stuff on the joints. Yeah. Like it's it's all you have to make some uh, pull out thought into it. So mm -hmm. so to that point, Luke's head obviously was probably molded in his hair color, uh, and his face is painted on. Yeah, and it's all done really quick. Man. Like these spray masks, it's it's just one guy is doing the face, and then someone else is doing the eyes and the eyebrows. You know, yeah. And they're oh my god, they've got a metal mask someone made that has a cut out of his head and this is what they're doing they're they're grabbing it out of a tray holding it up to that metal mask spraying it drop it in another bucket pick another one spray it drop it in another bucket yeah. the next guy is picking it up and you have a mask cut out with the eyes and the eyebrows and he's just spraying it dropping it wow. spraying it dropping it so that's how it goes goes down the conveyor belt gets put in the packaging someone checks it gets put in the packaging so that paint has not been on the face very long. Yeah. <laughs> when it gets put in the packaging, that bubble so shallow, that plastic touches the end of the nose. <laughs> That's because so Flash and Superpowers had the exact same problem. Wow. Oh, really? Okay. And so if they make a mistake like that, that's Oops. the whole run because these are not like those tolerances are are 100% what we're having trouble with right now. You can see with him them getting to get his fin straight oh, which is driving that. me insane oh, I see it. I see it. yep rocketeer's got a 
bent fin. So I keep what getting bent fin, yeah. yeah new samples where they're not. Uh-huh. That's a lot better. That's tough. And they get harder and they get softer and they they do that. So you do a lot of back. How do you and solve forth. for that? You got to put a piece of styrofoam or something to hold it in place during transit. Well, or turn almost. his head when they package it. So what they have to do, mm-hmm. they're probably going to have to actually make it a little thicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're going to mm-hmm. the. So here's what you have to weigh. Getting a little nerdy, so anyone who cause they can't no. see this, the the head has to be, uh, the durometer has to be hard enough. So this fin stays straight and nothing deforms, but it has to be soft enough that you can still pop it on and off the peg without ripping the peg off. Oh, wow. Oh, so, yeah. Good call. And you have different kinds of plastics, different kinds of materials. So, so there's all these things That's that... a lot of trial by error. Huh? Yeah, trial that you error. don't know when you're necessarily making it. So they're probably going to make it a slightly a bit thicker and a little harder. And then what they do, because everything's hot when it comes out of the thing. So mm-hmm. they, it's hot when it comes out of the injection molder. They dip it in cold water to set it. And so they have to make sure when they dip it, it's not bent because yeah. it'll be set yeah. bent, Forever. you know, or retain the memory of that. And when they put it in the package, he'll have to come up off enough the package. That inner tray is going to have to lift him up enough and then have a slice cut out where that fin fits exactly in and it's going to trap it. Oh, my God. And hopefully... If they've engineered it right, it's straight. If it's slightly off, they're going to trap it and it's going to get warped. Yeah. Something happened. Used to drive me nuts. It's Mattel again. Not not one of my favorite companies. By <laughs> oh, way. no. Um, Confessions of a toy maker. So they did a bunch of DC superheroes in the, the late 2000s, early 2010s. And they dynamically posed them in the package so they look cool on shelf. Mm-hmm. But every time you took them out, their arms and legs were warped like crazy because they used super soft plastic and posing them in the plastic tray deformed them. So they were like literally forcing them to be deformed (laughs) so that they would look because Hasbro, Kenner have always been companies driven by engineering. Okay. Uh, So you had engineers up until recently, historically. So G.I. Joe and all that. Again, you look at that G.I. Joe line. That is engineers designing all of these ships and everything of how cool can we make this? Yeah. yeah. Mattel has always been driven by marketing. So mm. to them, the packaging and the PR is always much more important than the, the toy. toy. That's why Barbie's so simplistic. Yeah. No one's, it's not going to win design awards or wouldn't back in the day. Again, it, as, as collectors entered the industry, a lot of this changed and a lot of technology changed it because it used to be literally engineers would come out of school do I want to make cars or do I want to make toys? Cause it's both manufacturing, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Marketing would come out. And again, you go to these, these companies and you have people marketing and I see it in fast food too. They don't care about toys. They never collected toys. They don't know who anything mm-hmm. is. It's just a stop in their career. This is where I have to pay my dues and do that. That's too bad. Um, the lost art. Yeah. I'll give you one good anecdote because, uh, I think you guys will like this. My boss told it to me. He worked at McDonald's. Uh, before I worked with them in the mid nineties and uh, they had the Marvel license mm-hmm. and they always do um, like they were going to have half figurines that did something and half uh, characters in the little cars. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it would tie it into all the Marvel cartoons that were on at the time, fantastic four, Spider-Man, all that Hulk were going on. And so what they did is they designed sets that made sense. So here's a set of X-Men in cars or here's a set of Fantastic Four figurines, you know, or here's a set of Avengers and cars and figurines. And so the woman in charge, who again, doesn't know anything about the characters, 
doesn't know anything about toys, just a just a stop in her career on the ladder, looked at all of them and said, well, I'm going to pick a la carte. I like this one, this one, this one, this one because of how they look. <laughs> and they said, well, you picked three of the Fantastic Four and the Hulk. <laughs> and they kind of don't go together because you don't have the full team. And she's like, well, sure you do. You've got four of them. You've got you've got the Human Torch, Visible Woman, Mr. Fantastic, and the Hulk. That's the Fantastic Four. And they're like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. And she looked at him and said, then give the Hulk blue pants and he's part of the team and left. <laughs> and if you look at the toys now, yeah. people ask, why does the Hulk have blue pants in the McDonald's huh. toys? That's why the Hulk has blue pants. That's crazy. Wow. It's because they designed the thing and the Hulk was a different assortment, but she liked the Hulk. And so they were forced to give him blue pants. That's so <laughs> nice. That's so nice. I'm looking at some of the listing of it too. I actually have yeah. the Wolverine yeah. from that line. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look at that Hulk with his blue pants. Isn't that great? Oh my God. Hey, so let me ask the toy expert this, uh, the toy, ask the toy maker. What is the most <laughs> popular toy that you think is just trash? You don't understand why it got so huge. Oh, that's a great well, question. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right off the bat. Here we go. <laughs> the Funko Pops, I think, are just uh, garbage. Oh, but, no. Um, I have like 20 of them behind me. You know, and now they're paying for it because they over overproduce and everything. But I, I think I think there's a lot of that. Um, and I don't want to like, I know a lot of people at these toy companies and everything, but I, I do think Funko is it. I think Funko especially had so much money and so much, uh, talent and they just half-assed so mm. much for so long. Mm -hmm. The quality of their stuff could have been a lot better when they brought back those reaction figures. Yeah. They were dog shit and they almost <laughs> killed a whole section of figures. And right now. Hasbro's kind of doing the same thing. Almost all their Star Wars toys are pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, their retro, all their retro lines, like those retro Indiana Jones, mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah. Terrible. I don't know. I, I think part of it is institutional. Um, I think a lot of these companies get into this whole, we have four hours to spend on this. You know, they, they get allotments and they're like, yeah, they just kind of get it out the door. Um, you know, there's a lot of lines like Marvel Legends where I think I think it's an amazing line. Yeah. But they have so much reuse and so many weird choices now a lot of times. And some of my good friends are, are working on that line. So mm -hmm. I don't want to say too many bad <laughs> things about it. But um, has there been a significant shift like from people that, you know, like like you clearly have a passion mm -hmm. for toys and you're yep. like you're into it, and I I have to imagine that like you know that there had to have been a time in this industry where the toys were being made by people who were passionate about the toys. I yeah I I think there's a yes I think there's three stages, and I think there are still people who are very passionate about the toys. I think there's a difference, and I think we see it in a lot of stuff just because of how industry happened. I think of how uh, careers happen. So. When you look at the stuff of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, again, they weren't like comic fans or movie fans or yeah. anything. They were craftsmen. Mm -hmm. And so they were always trying to make the best toy they could make. They weren't trying to make the best Wolverine they could make. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like That's why you got so much great stuff. And that's kind of why it's just eating its own tail now is 
you have almost nothing. And this is what's happening with movies, too. You have almost no original IP. You don't have a G.I. Yeah. Joe or a Barbie or even a Ninja Turtles or something. That's right. Everything has to be based off retro. It has mm-hmm. to be based off known hits. And this started happening in the 90s. And we would talk about it is at a certain point, um, you would have to have... Uh, you would take a chance on something you developed, even though you're not paying licenses, or you could go after Batman. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you look at like Batman, the animated series, you look at like all that stuff that came out then. Um, and people would say, you've got this whole DC universe and all I'm getting is like 30 Batman repaints <laughs> yeah. and one Superman and maybe a villain. Right. You know, it was just like, why are, why, why does a kid want all these Batman? Mm-hmm. And I would ask that we would all ask that. And the answer is, we have to have a home run every time. Yeah. Oh. And if Batman sells 20,000 figures and Joker sells 18,000 figures and even Superman sells 17.5,000 figures, we're, we're going to make another Batman instead of either of those characters <laughs> yeah. because we want that home run. Yeah. Because that's going to pay for yeah. our overhead because the company's growth. It was no longer a few people working at a toy company. They had hundreds of employees. Mm-hmm. So it became, we always have to have the biggest hit. Yeah. And then that started again, just eating the tail of uh, you're only chasing the biggest hit. And when those don't work anymore, like what happened after Phantom Menace, like Hasbro had his record year with Phantom Menace toys the next year there wasn't a new star Wars movie and their sales just went in the, the dump. It almost killed the company. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like they were talking about mergers with Mattel. Like it was almost catastrophic. Oh my um, it really was huge and it was nothing they necessarily did. It's, they just kind of, you know, bet the farm and this is what just happened with Funko. Everyone was buying pops during the pandemic. So they built this giant warehouse in Phoenix and, List like over leveraged the company and they just had to trash $30 million worth of merchandise. Oh my God, really? Because Man. they can't afford to warehouse it. Those they things can't are even afford everywhere. for someone to come yeah. claim it. Yeah. Of everything. They had to get rid of yeah. it immediately and just get get it out there. So it's those kind of things where um you know it's 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 not a very healthy industry. And of course, kids are playing video games. Yeah. We uh, this is the other thing. There's no toy stores, which is crazy. Yeah. With what yeah. we grew up with. I know. When I was designing uh, Wendy's toys in Santa Monica, California, in walking distance, meaning like in a few blocks of my office, we had yeah. Warner Brothers store, Disney store, Toys R Us, Heidi Ho Comics, uh, remember Puzzle Zoo, Discovery Store, which had toys, mm-hmm. um, Suncoast, uh, electronic games, Hot Topic, yeah, uh, KB Toys, yeah. Tower Records, all of that was right within a couple of blocks, and we could go get toys at any. And Kid Robot, Kid Robot had oh, their big Kid store Robot. there, yeah. Uh, and Disney Store, I don't know if I said Disney yeah. Store. Um, all of that, all of that, just within walking distance that I could go out every day. I don't think. I think. Uh, Kid Robot might still be there, but none of the others exist. Wow. They're all gone. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's no, that's that's nuts. That's sad. Um, yeah. And when Toys R Us went, they had driven out all the mom and pops. KB had closed because of all the leverage debt. And so if you're a toy manufacturer, we're outside of Amazon and Walmart. 
what do you have? What venues do you have? Yeah. Especially if you're doing small runs of toys. Yeah. I mean, you've got your, it seems like now you just kind of put your eggs in the target basket or you're going through GameStop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's where I'm seeing majority of it. Now, you you know, I know we taught you, you've mentioned a couple times now that video games led to the decline uh, of, of toys, traditional toys. Yep. And I know they tried to, they tried to put it together with like Skylanders, uh, Disney infinity. Uh, they, even with the amiibo still for Nintendo, they, they've tried to kind of do that, yeah. the toy tie in. And more often than not, we've seen it met with horrible results. Like maybe there's a quick spike well, in popularity, but then it, it goes away. I'm looking at right now. I have got a, a lawyer box of Disney Infinity figures. There you go. Almost yep. the entire run sitting in it. Okay. They so, were beautiful, but yet yeah. there's just, there wasn't enough support behind but maintaining that's that, not it true. seemed. Well, let me, let me, let me give you a little background on that, which was a weird thing. Sure. Um, I don't, I can't say if it was a good idea or a bad idea, to be <laughs> honest, but it was a weird idea. So Amiibo, I think is still going. They're yeah. not, they yeah. don't do oh, a yeah. ton. You still see them in targets, you know, uh, probably Walmart still has a few um, Skylanders. I don't know if they're still around, but Skylanders was huge for a short, at least a short period of time. But Skylanders was huge. And of course, Pokemon, the 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 godfather of all this stuff. That's right. Um, so what happened with Disney Infinity was Disney decided they were going to make their own toys, mm. like be a toy company instead of license it out. No, and they were going to start a division for this. And I think John Lasseter might have been the the first one in charge <laughs> of coming up with that look like the Pixar brain trust. I'm pretty sure was behind a lot of it. And they hired specific designers uh, like I think they had everybody do looks and then they picked the, the one guys they liked or whatever. And then wow. they said, OK, you're going to be in charge of this whole team. You're going to come up with this look for everyone. They look great. I love um, the style. They were they were really neat. And you remember I had a few in my office. Yeah. Um, Wreck It Ralph here. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I had all the Star Wars ones at one point, but I didn't open them, and I took them back because I came to my senses. I was like, "What are you doing?" Because <laughs> um, I didn't have the game; I was just buying all the little figures. But it's too hard to get that kind of interactivity. They should have just done figurines because they were too expensive for what they were, mm-hmm. which were just little solid figures. So Skylanders were super cheaper, much cheaper. Did it better. Um, and there were a lot of pitfalls because they were a brand new company trying to figure, you know, I just showed you all this crazy stuff that happens with manufacturing and toys. I don't think they really understood what a pain it was going to be to uh. make their own things to licensing it to someone else. Cause they, they, they thought they'd have all the control and dealing with China, you have no control, mm-hmm. you know, like it's just oh, really? headaches. You have to have someone embedded there. So, uh, and then they just didn't sell enough. You know, like everything, they they weren't the home run. Yeah. And so Disney, when they went through upheaval and everything uh, shortly after that, they just said, well, we're just going to pull the plug. And they had a lot designed. They had a lot ah. ready to go. Oh, yeah. really? Um, because the plans were to continue it for quite a while mm-hmm. uh, with classic and stuff. And I just think that what they wanted to do, that game just didn't take off enough. Like they really didn't treat it like a Star Wars. It was very yeah. narrow. Yeah, you know they should have had it was that tied to the fate of that video game. Of, uh, yeah, blown. And, and I mean they blew it out pretty good. But it was also really weird. With here's classic Disney. Here's new Disney. Here's Pixar. Here's Star Wars. Here's you know they tried to be a little too much for everything yeah. all at once yeah. instead yes. of introducing one land at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I think it was just kind of disjointed. But, you know, Disney Store still basically has those toys and that form factor with their toy box. I think yeah, that's toy right. It's, it is. It's called Toy Box. I remember talking but to a cast member and I was like, these look a lot like yeah. the Disney Infinity figures. Are yeah. they related at all? And she's like, good eye. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they ended up using the same designers to put these together. I was like, I loved the design. Like, I thought these yeah. were beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I played the game a bunch. I, 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 like I, like I said, I've got a box with all of them. And basically, if you have all of the figures, you unlock the lightsaber that you can oh, run around with. Yeah. <laughs> and I have definitely done that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I kind of felt like this is, this is kind of nice. I, I wish that there was a little bit more thought and care that kind of went into the video it, game side support of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing, too, is because of, uh, again, the expense to try to do all this. I mean, now it would be impossible, I think, with Toys R Us gone for someone to launch something like that. Mm -hmm. It's just too hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, Nintendo tried I, with um, Star. Oh, I can't remember what it was called. It was it, it didn't last long at all. But it mm -hmm. was like they tied in uh, Star Fox and some original IP, too. And you could kind of like scan those character codes into the oh, game. and See, use that's them. it. It's. It's too much. Yeah. Go here, do this, yes. do this, do this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and we know in, in our industry with Joel, the, we do these interactive things with QR codes and stuff. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But you don't have a, you don't have like, oh, wow, everybody's going to run out and do this, scan this <laughs> in the grocery store. Um, Yeah. So it's those kind of things. Like I feel if Infinity had hit 2004, 2005, mm -hmm. would have been a massive hit. Yeah. I think it's too little too late and especially mm. now like it's just too hard everything's too expensive um and again you know i'm proud of what we've done with these little figures mm -hmm. they did not sell we passed the we i'm i will be lucky to see a dime from this oh, and it's no, a year's really? worth of work then it's it was a learning experience i learned a lot it's great i'm happy i did it um but I'm not doing a wave too. If if people oh. don't buy them, they're they're selling just enough to pay for themselves. Oh, you know. But all my labor is free. It's not like I'm getting paid for my work because it's my line. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a big part is there's no way for us to get the word out. Yeah. All yeah. we can do is is put it on social, advertise it online. We ran, you know. Thankfully, a lot of the creators really promoted us. Like I made a special. Uh, desktop signage for guys at Comic-Con who had the, the booth signing like uh, uh, Ed Powell with a goon yep. and uh, uh, Mike Allred for Madman and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they really pushed it on their social media. Some of them ran ads in their comics, but still we don't have a wizard anymore. Yeah, No, yeah. Um, that's right. You don't have these kind of central things. Uh, some of the, the comic websites featured it, but it's like a, here and gone in like an hour yeah. and it's pushed down the headlines mm -hmm. you know we bought some ads but they don't go anywhere it's just the yeah. weirdest thing of i think we could have had big sales mm -hmm. if they're in a target or a toys r us yeah. but you can't get them in a target or a toys r us because you don't have the big sales to, <laughs> to make them to get them in there it's like a we can't give you this job because you don't have the experience. Well, how do I get the yeah, experience if you don't give yeah, me the job? Yeah, exactly. That, that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's so it is this thing of like, mm -hmm. if the Rocketeer comes back around, we have a feeling that people are going to really want these once they're in hand and delivered. Bro, this person yeah. really wants it. I wish they Joel had great. told me that this was happening. Yeah. I Let me, uh, all, I don't know what the, the situation is yet with uh, 
uh, if we're making any extras or anything, but let me see what I can do. No, please. If you want to rock and tear, let me see what I can do. Absolutely. Which, you know, I guess brings me to my next question and maybe, maybe my final one. We've, we've been on here for a while and (laughs) we could probably split this into two different episodes and even do more. Um, but I think we'll have to. What, um, what, what are, what is like a, a toy that has never been made that you wish to God somebody would get on top of it? Mine used to be that Unicron, but I think they finally went and did it. Didn't yeah. they? The crazy they sense of bitches. Haslab, I think, did it. Yeah. Again, you had to pay basically to get it made. Like they did mm-hmm. their their crowdfunding thing to make these giant uh, stuff. But that was always the one of my dreams. Yeah. Ever since seeing the movie, I was like, yes, I would buy that yeah. word available. <laughs> and I had expendable income. I, I always liked him more, though, as like the planet eater. When he turned into like chubby robot, I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite as scared of Unicron anymore. With the Fu Manchu, kind of, yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> I, I I like I don't know. There was just something a little more like a little more mysterious, a little more dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so, you know what? More tactile. I wanted to play with the toy when he was the planet eater. When he was the robot, I was just like, I do. Eh. What do I even do with you yeah. right now? What about you, Jason? Um, I mean, I love ad icons. I really wish. They, they they show up every now and then. You might get like uh, Monster Cereals or Chester yes. Cheetahs finally coming out. Amazingly, for the first time, what? they're having a Chester Cheetah figure. Um, I, I wish that there was a comprehensive line. Uh, uh, one thing I started collecting, and I used to have in my office when Joel got hired, I used to have in my office, was Funko back when it was a basically a different company. They started doing wacky wobblers, mm-hmm. um, the head bobbers. Oh, yeah. yes. And they had this great business model, the original owner, where they just went to all of these different licenses and said, we want a license for like this three-month period because we're only going to make a 1,000 of these or 5,000 or whatever, and we're going to make them the one character sell through and then we're done with the license. It's not exclusive. We just want to make this one thing. A lot of companies went for it, but because they did such small runs. And again, it was 20 years ago mm-hmm. when plastic was cheaper yeah. and they could do this and sell them for $10 each. Yeah. Um, I have, a, I have my went, ash wacky wobbler still in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had all the ad icons because they had so many you would never see. The Honey Nut Cheerios Bee, the Gorton Fisherman, yeah. uh, <laughs> Outback Kangaroo. That's so cool. You know, Ready Kilowatt. Like, it was just oh crazy God. what they oh, they just busted through. Bartles and James, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love those. I love, love, love those. But you can't sell more than a few. And now it's too expensive to make yeah. if you're only making a few. Yeah. So, Wow. You know, it's funny. You you had brought up uh, just to kind of circle back to uh, to Funko for a second uh, and like the quality of the product. You reminded me and she sits on my shelf. I've got a Buffy the Vampire Slayer who they Mm -hmm. this is before they would market like stands. They didn't make stands. And she was so narrow at the bottom and so (laughs) top heavy. She just you have to lean her up against something or else she's going to fall over. That's bad. Yeah, that was terrible. Horrible design. Terrible. Um, I guess. uh, Speaking of stands, camera can't see that. But look, that's a 3D print I was just playing with for all the different lines. Can you see that? Yeah. 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 What does it say? Um, Superpowers. Oh, oh, I see it. I see it now. Superpowers logo. That's what the stars. That I did. And yeah, they all. uh, That's awesome. They all fit. God, so. Thank God great. for 3D printing. I know. It's amazing what uh, you're able to do. Why nowadays. isn't anyone doing that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for me, 
it is more of a selfish thing. And I think I told Joel this on the last uh, the last episode. I don't know if it made it into the final episode. Uh, I do probably not. Like I do voices. I'd, I'll do English dubs for anime and stuff. And we That's just cool. we just recently did a, a show called Dawn of the Witch, where I got to play this uh, this I got to voice this character named Kudo, and he's like this lizard wizard, you know, kind of guy. And you know. The best I can do if I can if I get online and I find the right, you know, anime shop site or whatever, I can find like an acrylic figure or something. But if you're not a Naruto or, uh, you know, one of of the the big ones, a Dragon Ball Z, you're not going to see a figure of these characters, you know, and well, that's just been my it's like, oh, God, like there's so many cool anime properties that don't go for like 40 seasons that I wish, (laughs) you know, could get the same treatment. And 20 years ago, oh my God, the stuff that was made in Japan that was that never came here, like anything, mm-hmm. the most obscure stuff, they would make it. Yeah. And they've got those vending machines, which is always crazy, where they oh, have really? like a thousand toys per month in the vending machines of everything. Yeah. And they're just cranking them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, now that I'm thinking about it, there is one thing I don't think has ever had any toys. Oh, here we go. And... Probably that heyday has passed, but I just can't understand why nobody's never made PVCs or something. And that Schoolhouse Rock, I always thought <laughs> yes. that a series they, of Schoolhouse Rock merchandise. They do. What, who? There's a who? Um, where I think Funko has started doing the um, the keychains, the blind bag keychains of Schoolhouse Rock, uh, like the mystery mini, the mystery kind of mini things? kind of things. Yeah, <laughs> I was just at I was just at a comic shop. He's uh, googling it right, right now. Last week, yeah, I took my daughter to a comic shop and ended up grabbing one of those blind bag things of Dungeons and Dragons because I just adore that new movie for better or worse but uh but yeah schoolhouse rock was definitely uh sitting there blowing jason's mind right now yeah you ain't kidding today's your lucky day (laughs) your dreams have come true Uh, that's exactly it i love it that's what we do on this podcast oh wow yeah dreams come true he's he's brought me so much joy tonight that i'm so happy i could bring him i know he's I, i knew we'd be able to get him on here he would just have a ton of stories i every now and then he'll uh he'll he'll bust some of these stories out at work well um, jason yeah jason anytime you want to come back and talk with us the door is always open would love to have you on again to like deep dive into some other stuff hey tangentially related are the toy companies really saving the environment by going box only packaging without the bubbles or that's already that's already gone oh is it gone <laughs> yeah as bro i yeah, I, I, I honestly no. <laughs> don't know if that was a PR. Okay, number one, that's not doing jack shit. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is really crazy that they're like we're saving. It's like recycling. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll hear me talk about this. Recycling probably causes more pollution <laughs> at this point if everybody recycled and everything got right. repurposed. But if you look at the energy it takes to recycle yeah. something. And the small scale it's being done, and it's just really like upper middle class right. suburban yep. areas that are even half caring mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And, and a lot of times they follow these trucks and they're not even doing it. Like they're actually oh, just no. dumping it. Oh, are dump. you kidding me? Um, Don't tell me so that. I think it does more harm than good because I think it it acts as a you know, placebo yeah. for people to think they're doing a good job to do this, and it's just like theater it's probably a hundred times because... more plastic in the actual toy itself than that goes in well, that little window well, right? and it's frustrating it, that as a collector as a collector who doesn't want to yeah. open it and just display mm-hmm. 
I don't yeah. know if what I bought is even in there. <laughs> no, no and that's the problem is a lot of people buy things, swap them out, reseal them, and, oh, no. and you're stuck. Mm -hmm. And it's so it, it, it's been a kind of a dismal failure and it's going away. They're, they re-engineered. Some of them have plastic. I think some of them just have like window boxes where they're trapped. So it's a cutout you can see, sure. but you can't take the figure out. Yeah. Um, we have it, it's it's like all these things to get on my soapbox for half a second. <laughs> Uh, well, it's like volunteerism on anything is never going to solve these problems. If they want to solve the plastic problem, they're going to have to outlaw plastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in everything. It's in our bodies. Yeah. Like we are so full of I microplastics know. right now. The oceans are full of all this. Like we're 20 years too late to be having that discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is someone who works in manufacturing and use a lot of plastic. Uh, literally almost everything. Just look around you. How much freaking plastic our lives yep. are oh my god point. that's so depressing i'm like looking at every, it, it is so i mean there's no stop to it look at every food product that's that's what's so funny is like oh a few thousand toys may not have a window window blister meanwhile hostess is making 10 million twinkie wrappers out of plastic okay, exactly <laughs> like it's it's yeah. not gonna remotely change anything so i think it's it was a pr ploy okay i think it was uh, honestly, or maybe someone at Hasbro had something in their heart where they thought it was a good idea. But I think more than anything else, it was a talking point yeah. and it was terrible for sales and terrible for collectors yeah. and anyone buying their products. So know your audience. It's it's already yeah. being reversed. There yeah, you go. It, it really, really, really not smart. Right. Well, this that's so great. Come for the toy discussion. And then we're going to talk about conservationism yeah. and how, how useless it really is. Um, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Dude, this has been really awesome. Such, yeah. I mean, it's always fun. Hands down the best episode. This has been so <laughs> yes. much fun talking to you about this stuff. Learn so much. Yeah. I mean, if I'm just stuck here with Joel every week, I don't learn anything. I just laugh yeah. at his and, dumb uh, jokes. This is your new host, Jason Geyer. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to listening to you guys next week. Um, <laughs> no, this is this has been fantastic. You've got an open invitation. Anytime you want to come on back, please join us. Thanks. But you know what? Before we wrap this thing up, you know, I, I just want to remind our listeners, you know, you can catch us online at lowreshighdef.com or, you know, catch us on social media at lowreshighdef. Jason, where can people find you? Uh, usually just working. <laughs> I mean, like, Not literally. If they want to, if they want to support your products, if you, you know any any products. His address is one one eight four. Yeah. If you uh, if it really my Instagram is going to be my most active. So if yeah. you go to Instagram slash Toy Otter, uh, you're going to find links to to pretty much everything else, and you can find our toy line if you search Longbox Heroes at BigBadToyStore.com bbts.com you can see which uh figures are still for Very sale cool i'm gonna go on over there yeah. right now so we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up i mean this is super long uh but also extra special episode of yeah. low res high def uh again jason geyer thank you so much fantastic yeah. guest joel thank you sir oh pleasure's uh always a pleasure <laughs> whatever i say you, you threw me off <laughs> you say always a pleasure and then i say I the pleasure's all mine you're, you're I love when your lizard brain takes I know. Over. Like, just, this does not you just go with your learned behavior. <laughs> God bless you. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> and also with you. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.